Boy, tough week for uh, folks down in the Caribbean and Florida. I uh, was following closely and, and been praying for those folks down there uh, with the hurricane, Hurricane Matthew. I don't know about you, but it sure seems late in the year for a hurricane, but I found and, and remembered that it's to November 1st, the hurricane season goes, but particularly my, um, my concern is greater now that I know people that live there. Uh, uh, Rich DeFries, our chairman of the elders, they moved to Melbourne, Florida, and uh, Jeff Bruce, another one of our, our folks, moved down to, to Boca Raton. And so as the hurricane was projected to come in and, and maybe cause great damage, it, I mean, it was a life and death situation uh, to come into the eastern seaboard of uh, eastern coast of Florida. I was, I was really praying and concerned. And do uh, you know that, that just because at the last minute it kind of went out 20 miles to the east, uh, it didn't do nearly the damage. It still caused a lot, a lot of financial damage, uh, flooding and great wind, a lot of power. People were out power for uh, several days, and, but it was nothing compared to what happened in Haiti. Boy, I've been praying for the folks in Haiti. O- up to 800 people were thought to have lost their lives as well as, well as massive destruction. It was a life and death situation. I would guess that for you, uh, you probably weren't in a life or death situation any time this week. Uh, it rained some here, but it wasn't nearly like that. Uh, maybe you have been in those situations in the past where if you choose one way, you would have life. If you choose the other way, you, you would have great pain and maybe even death. But I'm here to tell you, I believe every week, every day, you're in life or death situations. Every day, you have the capacity to bring life, or it's bring death with your words. As we finish up this series on home life, I think one of the most important things I can talk about from God's word, one of the most important things I can tell you is uh, this mouth that you have, not the physical organ, but the, the words that come out of it, they have great power. You're special. You're loved. You're precious. You're bright. You're stupid. You're ugly. I can't stand you. I hate you. One way is life. One way is building. The other way is death. Death by a thousand cuts. Relationships usually don't end in a moment. They end over time. They're damaged over time. There's estrangement that happens over time. So God wants us, I think, to to utilize our language, to utilize utilize our words uh, to have healthy families. He wants us to utilize our words to have a healthy family of God here. He wants us to utilize our words to bring life instead of death. James chapter 3 is where I want to look today. James chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. I'm going to give you the power of words apply, or illustrated, the power of words illustrated, and then I'm going to give you the power of words applied, uh, what we can do, the practical steps we can take to better our family relationships, to better uh, our neighborhood relationships, to better our business relationships. Okay? So first, let's look at the power of words illustrated. James gives six word pictures of the, the power of our words. The first is a bit, a bit, from verse 3. 
when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. If you've ever been around horses, you know, you know that there's just this tiny piece of metal that's put into the horse's mouth, uh, attached to the bridle. The bridle has the reins, and by that, you can control these huge animals. Beautiful, sleek horses, racehorses, thoroughbreds, have a 90-pound jockey on them. The jockey, just a pittance of the, the size of that horse, yet because there's a bit, you can control that horse. Or if you have a horse that you can't control. I had a horse when I was younger. His name was Blaze. And um, I, we just learned how to ride by our dad teaching us. And so I, took, I was out with Blaze for a ride one day. And apparently horses have really good hearing. Uh, because this was after school, and uh, I think Blaze may have heard the sound of the food hitting his feed tray, uh, because he took off, and I was whoa and pulling back, and uh, we we made it back without me falling off. But uh, I was sure careful with Blaze from then on. But theoretically, these bits, this small little piece of metal, controls. The second word picture is a rudder. A rudder. Or take ships as an example. This is verse 4. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. That's always been true. There's not that much in relative to the size of the boat. The rudder is not that big. Uh, made of wood or metal. Uh, these, little, these little pieces of construction, they, if they're turned one way, the boat goes one way and, and vice versa. So I did some research this week. When you're talking about the USS Nimitz class aircraft carriers, uh, the, probably the greatest military ships ever created, basically floating airports for warplanes, uh, you learn some things. For example, it uh, carries a crew of 6,000. It displaces 97,000 tons. Uh, so it is huge. And you've seen, if you've ever seen one, you know how big they are. The rudders, they have two rudders on these aircraft carriers, 29 by 22 feet, and they each weigh 50 tons. You add that up, it's 100 tons. 100 tons to 97,000 tons. It sure is a small part of the overall ship, but it is most powerful because it controls the direction. Just like the words you say can either amplify or totally disintegrate any actions that you display with your kids. You can hug your kids, but they might remember more those negative or harsh things you said to them. And so it goes with each relationship. But it is small and powerful, this tongue. He goes on, the third word picture is a fire. It's a fire. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Uh, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's pretty negative. I think he's emphasizing when we use our tongue in a negative way because your, your tongue can be used for positive just like fire, fire can heat us, it can provide light, but it also can be very, very destructive. You might remember a couple decades ago in the Rocky Mountains, there was the Haywood fire, or excuse me, the Hayman fire. 
Uh, it was uh, burned the biggest forest fire to that point that ever raged in the Rockies. 137,000 acres were destroyed, over 100 houses back then, which was a long time ago inflation-wise. Back then, it caused over $150 million of damage. You might not know that that, that fire was started by a careless U.S. Forest Service worker. One little spark destroyed all of that property, those houses, those acres of beautiful forest. So also, we can do the same. Or we can build. I think he moves here from the emphasis on the small being powerful to where the words come from. And that's really what we need to think about today. If we're going to have, uh, if we're going to have a hope, if we're going to have a change in direction of the way we use our words, then we have to think about where they come from. You're Hopefully you're con- being convinced of the, the importance of using your language, being careful and considerate with your language. But let's talk about uh, where it comes from, what, why we have it. Uh, he compares it to a dangerous animal, his fourth word picture, a dangerous animal, uh, our words. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You heard him talk about it, and we've seen this come to pass. If you go to the circus or to some zoos, you see animals can be trained, animals that uh, could be very destructive. They can be trained to bring joy, to bring happiness as they perform. <clears throat> and that Greek word is very illustrative to me. The one we get, restless poison, it literally means snake venom. Snake venom. Think about the sound that snakes make. It kind of sounds like gossip, doesn't it? Gossip is so destructive, yet we do it almost without thinking. Rick Warren, preacher in California, he has a definition of gossip that I think is very instructive. He says if you're talking to someone about a situation and that person's not part of the problem or part of the solution, then it's probably gossip. If you're talking about a situation to a person and that person's not part of the problem or part of the solution, then it's probably gossip. And do you know, gossip is a sin just like all of the other things that we understand and pull out as sins. Very important for us to understand the danger that exists in the words that we say. Oh, oh, we're just talking. Oh, we're just sharing. Let's be careful with that. Uh, fifth word picture is a spring. A spring. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? The obvious answer is no. Uh, this is borne out by the Mideast. In the Middle East today, arid climate, uh, they have springs that come up out of the ground. Uh, some of those springs issue forth salt water. Some of them issue forth fresh water. But there are no springs in existence that bring up both. Doesn't happen. Both 
kinds of water are okay in their circumstances, uh, but they don't bring both. Uh, the obvious inference is uh, this mouth that we have, the words that we have, uh, God's desire is that they be consistent, that they not uh, say or claim to be one thing and say another. I'll tell you, I, I feel that. I feel the, the, the hardness of this. He said a little earlier, no man can c- control the tongue. It's very important for us to understand this emphasis on consistency. And I've gotten that through the years. Let me tell you, I'm not perfect at this at all. But I, I've worked on it because in Bible college and seminary, I was taught that people listen uh, to a preacher's words throughout the week, wherever he goes, a lot more uh, than they, they, they listen closely. They're looking for uh, signs of hypocrisy. I've had to apologize to my kids through the years uh, because uh, I, particularly if I'm uh, driving, you know, that kind of boils up in me. I remember experiences where I've been to the hospital and prayed with somebody who was going through a sickness and, you know, I left out of there and somebody cut me off and it's like... Now, thank God, I, he's worked on me through, through 30 years of following him. I, when I was in college, before I became a Christian, I, I had a pretty salty tongue. It's not cuss words that comes out, but it is not beneficial, benevolent words, nonetheless. It's important for us to, to understand where the words come from. What he's saying is, just like a spring comes from the earth, that your words come from someplace deep inside of you. And that place deep inside of you has to be addressed. And more on that in a step of action step I'll give you in a few minutes. And then the last word picture we see here for our understanding of the power of our words is a fruit tree. A fruit tree. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? The obvious answer is no. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's saying if God is working, if you're allowing God to work on you, then you should produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of the, uh, our way or the highway, not the fruit of I want what I want, not the fruit of I want to win, I want to be first, but instead think about the positive, think about the the beneficial you can bring. Consistency. That's what he wants. So I'm giving you the power of words illustrated from James. Let me give you the power of words applied. In other words, here's some action steps, some very practical things you can do to make, to have a great impact on your families, on your neighborhoods, on your workplaces, okay? The first thing I would tell you is think before you speak. Think before you speak. That's not a uh, you know, revelatory probably to you, but I have an acrostic for you to remember uh, for you as you go through this week to ask yourself these questions before you're tempted to, to speak without thinking. You've asked yourself first before you say it, is it true? Is it true? <clears throat> is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? I really like Tim McGraw's song, Humble and Kind. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, I, I, I love that, always be humble and kind. 
and that's an important thing for us to think with our words. Think before you speak. Related to the next step I'm going to give you is to talk less. To talk less. Somebody told me at the door after the first service that on Caleb this week, they said, did you know that silent and listen have the same letters? Isn't that interesting? Talk less. Calvin Coolidge said, I've never gotten in trouble or I've never been hurt by anything I did not say. The Proverbs are full of wisdom about the way we talk. I would also add, kind of as a aside, you might want to, if you want to know more from the Scripture, more scriptural wisdom on how to utilize or control our tongues, you might look and read through the Proverbs. Almost every chapter of Proverbs has some instruction, a verse or two about the power of our language, uh, the control of our language. Particularly Proverbs 10, 19 says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The prudent hold their tongues. Isn't it important to make sure our words are really what we really want to say? I told you last week, oftentimes in conflict situations, that's why I'll write to someone instead of talk to them first. It's important for us, to, I think, uh, to have an understanding that it's in that listening so oftentimes that we understand what, what we should say. The third practical step I want to give you is to build up others. To build up others. <clears throat> Again, from Proverbs, Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I am convinced that people in our country today, most of them can find food if they need it. Most of them can find transportation if they need it. Most of them can find a way to satisfy most of their needs. What I am convinced people are starving for today is positive speech to them. Every time you say to your kid, you're stupid, or you're just not smart, what damage that does. Every time you say to your wife, or to your husband, I can't believe you. I can't stand you. On the other hand, what life you can give to starving people. What a benefit you can give to somebody's self-confidence and self-esteem. Chuck Swindoll tells about a guy he went to seminary with. This guy was, uh, had this birthmark on his face uh, covered half his face. It was bright red. But this guy was, was happy-go-lucky. He obviously had a, a good self-esteem and self-confidence. And so Chuck, as he got to know him, he got close enough to ask. He said, I, I just wonder, how, how have you dealt with having this, this birthmark all your life? I'm sure people made fun of you and, and whatnot. He said, yeah, but you know, my dad told me when we were young, when I was young, he came to me and we had a conversation. And he said, that birthmark is where an angel kissed your face before you came you know I've always wanted to have a birthmark just like that I can find you in a crowd it makes you special and it contributed that guy's positive self-esteem and attitude all of his life you have a choice with the words that you speak 
I read this week that the average person speaks words, enough words in a day to fill up a 50-page book. In your words this week, you have a choice. Are you going to build up? Are you going to tear down? Are you going to speak life? Are you going to speak death? Some of you are going, I want to, but I, I just... And even verse 8 says, no man can tame the tongue, so how do you do it? The fourth and most important practical step is we all need to have heart surgery. We all need to have heart surgery. Now, I'm not speaking literally, of course. But you know the Bible says that where your words come from is the heart. Now, he's not talking about the physical organ, the heart. It, it comes from deep inside of you. It comes from your subconscious. It comes from, I think, allowing God control, surrendering to God Control of your mind, control of your heart. Jesus made this clear. Matthew 12, 34, he said, you brood of vipers. He's talking to the Pharisees. How can you who are evil say anything good? He's saying you don't have a chance because you're determined to do your own thing. You're determined to, do, to undo or not do the will of God. So you don't have a chance for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know, would it change? How much would it change our speech if we always had a microphone recording everything that we said? That's why, you know, it hasn't been a problem for me being a, a minister, senior minister, because uh, I think that way. My utmost goal, and I am working on it, I'm not there yet. None of us will be perfect this side of heaven. My utmost goal is to never have to apologize for things I say. It takes him working on the heart, us surrendering to him. But what an impact we can have. Ken Blanchard travels the country, uh, and he, was, he would do seminars to help businesses he did a particular seminar for a lot of different retail stores and grocery stores. He met with their frontline workers, and he had a presentation about how uh, the positive words that they speak to folks could make a difference in the business, how they could help the business grow and be successful. Well, he had a lady that worked with him, and, and she received a call. She did the seminar with him. She received a call about a month after he'd been to a particular area. The voice on the other end of the call said, hey, I'm Johnny. I'm 19 years old, and I have Down syndrome, and I'm a grocery store bagger. At, I heard your seminar. I went to it, and, and I thought about it, but I didn't quite know how to, to do something with it, so I talked to my dad about it. And we came up with this plan. We were going to get uh, books of, of positive, inspiring quotations and and every day, we'd type that quotation five times across the page. And then we'd make 60 copies of that page. And then we'd cut each of them up into a standalone little piece of paper. And the next day, when I would go to work, when people came through my line in their last grocery bag, I would put this positive, inspiring, good thing to say to them. And he, said, he would say... As he walked them out, I've given you a very special gift. And I hope you have a wonderful day. 
You know, um, the store manager called about a month after Johnny had talked to this lady, and, and she said, I, I just got to tell you how your seminar has changed our business. You see, on busy Saturday afternoons, we have multiple checkout lines open, but we have, you know, one or none, no people in these lines, and, and the line where Johnny is bagging, it stretches back to the freezer food section. Our manager will go to the people and say, this one's open. You can go through here quickly. And, but they'll say, no, I want Johnny's word of the day. I'll stand in line. People are hungry to be built up, to hear good, kind, constructive words. Another lady said uh, to the manager, she told the manager, I used to come to the store once a week, but now I come every day to get something just so I can hear the word of the day. You know, the manager went on to say, it's changed the whole culture of our store. When our floral department, when they used to drop an arrangement or they would throw everything away, but now they'll take salvage whatever they can and they'll just go give the flowers to people and say, have a good day. There is great power in this room. What a difference, son or daughter, you could make. What a difference, brother or sister, you could make. What a difference, mom or dad, you could make. What a difference, boss or employee, you could make. We all have a choice every day to bring words of life or words of death. Fathers, we think about these things. I pray that we would not be hopeless. I'm sure we've been convicted, convicted as I was preparing this week. But with you, all things are possible. If we'll give ourselves to you, if we'll give our tongues to you, you can bring life in our marriages, life in our families, life in our workplaces, life in our neighborhoods. Help us to, to let you work. Help us to surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.